Alright everybody, we're back with another episode of Pass, Play, or Purchase. This is your host, Kevin. And this is Leanne. As always, thanks for listening. So today, we're going to take a look at Mysterium. Uh, it was meant to be in the spirit of Halloween, which had passed not too long ago, so we figured out ah, it's still close enough, we'll uh, give it a review. So this is a cooperative deduction game set in the 1920s, where a ghost guides a team of up to six psychics, uh, in solving a murder mystery at Warwick Manor. Uh, the game came out in 2015 and was designed by uh, Alexander Nevsky and Oleg Sidorenko. Uh, if anybody else has some pronunciations on that, let me know. I believe though that they were also responsible for the art uh, in addition to Igor Berlikov and Xavier Colette. Um, the average playtime is listed as 45 minutes, which I would say sounds pretty fair, uh, especially I guess if you play with the included like timing mechanism mm -hmm. that they have, which will shorten things up. Aside from that, the game actually can still be found for about $35, which was kind of neat. I mean, again, it came out in 2015. That's, that's a while back. So, you know, usually when things go out of print, not to say, I guess, I know whether or not it's out of print, but hey, it's still available. So, again, that's pretty cool. Uh, it even has a Steam adaptation, so yeah, another thing to consider. But of course, feel free to check out your favorite store. This game basically has one person as a ghost, which for some reason it has amnesia. I really don't know how that works from a poltergeist point of view, but uh, yeah, you're, well, again, one player plays as a ghost who has amnesia. And um, you're trying to guide the other players who are spirit medium psychics uh, with clues as to who the culprit was. So each of them has to find out where it was, who the suspect was, and then the method of murder. Uh, and everybody has to do their own, I guess, solve uh, before the seventh hour, or in this case, seventh turn has ended. Then it'll continue to find the ultimate culprit. Hopefully, with that one final attempt, then the ghost can rest in peace. Otherwise, well, everybody loses. So, yeah, uh, I guess, though, if everybody wins, they find the culprit cool. Although, I guess I have to laugh because if the ghost was murdered, they kind of pretty lost. Oh. But that's not part of the way the game describes it. I mean, it's a true cooperative. It is a true cooperative. Yes, good, good point to keep in mind. But for the summary of the mechanics, I'll turn things over to Leanne. Thanks, Kevin. So as Kevin mentioned, this game, you know, we thought we'd review it in the spirit of Halloween. It actually is set on Halloween. That is in the rule book because Halloween is the day when the unseen and seen worlds can make contact. And so as Kevin mentioned, the ghost is trying to tell you the person, location, and object involved in its murder, but it only remembers fragments of the incident meaning it's communicating with the psychics through visions that imply elements of the whodunit. It doesn't directly tell you. Although this is a cooperative game and everyone wins or loses together, each psychic will first pursue their own set of clues regarding a possible person, location, and object. The rulebook says that this is like you're dividing and conquering to investigate the potential murder scenarios. Then at the end, you all vote on which of the sets of person, location, and object is the real murderer, murder setting, and killing weapon. The game is played over seven rounds, as Kevin mentioned. So for the initial setup of the game, you shuffle the three decks of cards, 
for people, locations, and objects, and then you deal out the number of cards specified by the rulebook. There will always be more cards dealt from each deck than there are players. For example, in our most recent game, we had four psychics and one ghost for a total of five players, so we dealt out seven cards from each deck, and that just makes the guessing a little bit more complex. The cards are labeled on their backs so that the ghost can pull out the matching ghost deck cards. So the ghost has this player screen, and behind that screen, they secretly assign a set of ghost deck cards for a person, location, and object to each psychic. So they can keep track what are they trying to guide each psychic to. The ghost also has a deck of vision cards, and during each round, hands at least one vision card to each psychic to give them clues about which person, location, and object they are supposed to be investigating. And the ghost draws from this deck seven vision cards in a hand at a time, but it is randomized. I mean, the ghost shuffles it, draws, and then tries to do their best to match those vision cards to the person, locations, and objects that they're trying to point each psychic to. The vision cards tend to be highly conceptual and artistic. They may not exactly correlate to the cards for people, locations, and objects, so this is where the ghost's ability to communicate and the psychic's ability to perceive visual patterns or motifs comes into play. So on each round, in addition to the psychics guessing their own person, location, or object, they can also play tokens to indicate whether they think other players' guesses are correct or incorrect. If they're right about their guess, they move up the clairvoyance track, which earns them the ability to see more vision cards in the endgame guessing. If everyone figures out their person, location, and object within the seven rounds, there is a final round, where the ghost gives vision cards one last time to indicate which set of person, location, and object is the murderer, uh, the murder location, and the murder weapon. Each psychic looks at the number of final vision cards that their clairvoyance track indicates. So it could be one card, it could be two cards, or it could be all three cards. And then everyone votes in secret for who they think is the true culprit. The votes are revealed, and the group of cards that has received the majority of the votes is considered the communal vote for the psychics. If that communal vote correctly identifies the culprit, location, and object, all players win the game together and the ghost is laid to rest. If the vote is not correct, the game is lost. And that is Mysterio. Alright, appreciate that rundown, so I guess we'll go ahead and get into our notes. Um, starting off with the positives, so I think, you know, much like Dixit, uh, the game is very, very art-dependent. Uh, thankfully, in general, I think the art is good. Definitely, I, I think that comparison to Dixit really carries over. In fact, I think the art style really has a similar feel. So, I don't know, I, I would assume it's totally different artists. I didn't check for that, but I'd be shocked if uh, there's an overlap. And I guess I wouldn't be too surprised if uh, there's some type of I guess uh, shared influence really maybe we'll say mm -hmm. yeah so and I also like that each player is trying to solve their own riddle so it really helps uh, you know prevent any kind of alpha gaming I think with a cooperative game again oftentimes you're gonna have that lead person really exerting their influence and uh, here I think it's really really mitigated there is some of it uh, although I think to an extent one could argue it's um, we'll call it necessary evil uh, because right, if multiple players are trying to guess the same thing, you know that, well, I should say at most, one of them will be right. So 
you know, there could, of course, going to be some differences of opinion. Uh, one person might try to sway, yeah, uh, the other. And yeah, I mean, you know, again, I, I just think it's sort of, it, it's okay. Again, really, really mitigated. Uh, and then aside from that, I think if you also use the timer, again, it's shortening the game and helping to reduce that alpha gaming. I didn't even talk about the timer because we didn't use it. But basically, it, the game comes with a little sand hourglass. So when you're, the ghost gives out the vision cards, you can flip that sand timer to use that as a, a time constraint for the guessing for that round. But yeah, I mean, I think for most, especially if you're doing it with a large set of players, I feel like it's kind of tough. I mean, I guess you'd have to hand it out to everybody and then flip the timer. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, to me, slows the game down pretty significantly anyway. I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, either way, I think it's good that it's included as a possibility. Uh, oftentimes, we just house rule where we play without it. It's something that we personally uh, have found to be the better, uh, yeah, for us, the better way. Uh, to play more enjoyable way to play uh, and then lastly i like that this is more of a one plus many type of game oftentimes when we see like there's a solo player uh they're either taking out like the we'll call it the dm role right they're just really narrating along and while the ghost is i guess you could argue the dm still they are very much involved i mean you know something that they play for one set well, one person uh, could change to the next if they have to redraw cards. So there's a constant decision making, even for the ghost player, and it's not just dictating. Well, you know, this is what happens, and here's this running the game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Or oftentimes it's a one versus many, right? So one person has to be the quote unquote bad guy uh, against the rest of the cooperating quote unquote good guys. So you know, again, I like that. There's that twist uh, to it. As far as words of caution. Well, this is not a particularly deep strategy game. Uh, in fact, I, I wouldn't call it a strategy game, I guess. So, you know, there's that. Uh, then, of course, it is very visually oriented. So something like Dixit is not too appealing. You're probably going to struggle with this one. Now, to be fair, though, some of our players who are, I guess we'll say, uh, what, Dixit ambivalent, tend to find... Mysterium a little bit more interesting. I can't quite place my finger on what it is. If I had to guess, it's probably like uh, the voting aspect. So you're not trying to pander, I guess, to other people or I guess, yeah, I don't know, have that interpretation per se uh, of what the other person was doing just for the sake of the votes. It's really, you know, for you personally as your own goal, you know, what is being communicated to you. But again, if you don't like that type of uh, yeah, visually focused game, that's what this is about. And then the other kind of to me more major word of caution is I think even with one expansion, while there are a lot of cards, if you were to play this kind of regularly, like uh, let's say maybe what, twice a month, you're going to run through those cards real quick and you're probably going to kind of remember what they are, who the culprits are. And if you're playing especially with the same people, it's it might be a little bit too same-same, I guess, would be the way I put that. Aside from that, though, that's pretty much all I got. What about for you? So, I hated this game for a long time. Wow, all right, well, we, we didn't get the decisions <laughs> yet. We, we were, I thought we were just at the notes. I'm trying to tell a story here. So, oh. it, it's... <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> 
So I did. I mean, I really, it felt too much like random clues to try to read Kevin's mind. And it could be... And I guess just to clarify, it's because I really enjoy playing the ghost. I have, of course, been on the other side of the table, so to speak. But yeah, as she's prepping this, it's because I really, really like playing the ghost. So Kevin is almost always the ghost. So it could be really frustrating if you feel like you can't see any rhyme or reason that connects the vision cards. Wow. <laughs> yep. Uh, these, are, these are real struggles over here. It's, uh, it's getting personal over here. But yeah, no, I get it. It can be, it can be challenging. It can be really challenging. And it's, it's super, because it's so subjective, right? If you get stuck, you can be really stuck. Because you're like, I just don't see what you are trying to say. I just don't. Hashtag real life. Exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> oh my so goodness. there's more notes coming up. See? So because I hated this game, we didn't play it for years until we recently revisited it in the spirit of Halloween. And I have to say I had a good time. There's my story. So the artwork was interesting and because the psychics are able to see each other's vision cards that the ghost has given them and they can discuss what the vision cards might mean, the game can feel very collaborative and your friends can really help you out if you are stuck. And because it's a fully cooperative game, the ghost is definitely incentivized to try to give better vision card clues if the psychics are getting stuck and making incorrect guesses. So yeah, that, I mean, and I guess it relates to the words of caution on the replayability and all of that. So what I would say is depending on your group of friends, you may want to allow the role of the ghost to rotate or be played by different people. Never! <laughs> because otherwise, with repeat playing, you will always end up trying to guess the clues from the same person. Learn me. <laughs> it was just the biggest thing I didn't like about the game. Wow. So uh, cue the song, what is that, getting to know you? <laughs> oh boy. Um, but I had a really great time the last time we played it. But we hadn't played this game for years because I hated it that much. Wow. Alright, well, so I guess it'll be interesting as we get into our decisions. And I don't even know what her decision is, so I guess I'm in for a surprise. For me, so I would say, I think if you had a group that you could play this at least... Uh, maybe once or twice a year, I would actually call this a purchase. I do think it's a good game. Uh, again, the limited replayability, it hurts it, but that's where, again, if you can play it, uh, air quotes, just enough. And for $35, I mean, yeah, I think it's a, it's a solid game, a purchase. I love that it kind of ramps in the, I guess, what pressure, the, the rewardingness of the victory. Just made up my own word there, but uh, yeah, so... Right, because you, like Leanne said, you want to see everybody succeed. And then that's really just phase one, getting everyone to guess first, uh, what is it, the person. It's like, yay, you made it. Then they get to the location. It's like, all right, you know, that's phase two. And then the murder weapon, that's phase three. And it's like, you've come all this way. And then if everybody uh, can have that consensus on the final suspect location, uh, murder weapon and they get it right. I mean, it just feels really rewarding. I definitely got that feeling from the other side too for you as the, the psychics. So again, yeah, I would call it a purchase. 
This is a play for me. I will play it once in a while, especially when I'm feeling Halloween spooky. It's exceptionally good for that theme, that time of year, and it is well executed. I think for the concept of the game and what the play experience is supposed to be, I think it's really good. It's just not a game I would personally buy, but I'm perfectly willing to go along with it occasionally. And I've definitely had a really good time the last time we played this. And maybe someday I will try to be the ghost, and I guess we'll see. All right, well, there you have it. So uh, one purchase, one play. And yeah, definitely, of course, we encourage you to check it out. Uh, we should have some pictures up later. Yeah, as always, feel free to look us up on X and Instagram. But otherwise, as always, we thank you for listening. Thank you.